Good morning. Welcome to South Suburban Christian Church. Thank you for joining us online. Uh, we're grateful that you're here. We also want you to know that we are meeting in person. As a matter of fact, next Sunday, September 12th, is our official launch day. Now, of course, we've been in in-person worship since May, but months and months and months and months ago, uh, everybody was telling us that we wouldn't be back to in-person until September. So we started making plans for that. Uh, and then, of course, as, uh, uh, as protocols loosened up, we were able to begin in-person worship sooner, which we did. But next week is our launch, new website, uh, new ministries, new programs. South Suburban is launching into the future, and we're excited about what God is doing and how God is leading us. Uh, today is our Labor Day uh, uh, celebration. Uh, in person, we're only having one service today at 10.30 with a, um, um, a, a cookout afterwards. So, you know, after you listen to this sermon and you live close by, come down and have a hot dog. We'd love to see you. Um, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture today as we look at something called the doctrine of vocation. Now, I know that sounds like a lot of big words. Doctrine is, means nothing more than the teaching. What is the teaching about or the teaching of? Uh, and vocation is our, well, our labor, our work, what we do. Uh, I'm vocationally a pastor. Uh, others are vocationally engineers or carpenters. And we're going to be looking at what the Bible says about that and how the church, specifically the Protestant church, has understood that uh, since the beginning uh, with that great reformer Martin Luther as he wrote down how we ought to view our life every day in service to Christ. We're going to be looking at the Gospel of Mark beginning in chapter 12, verse 28. So if you have your Bibles or your tablets, I encourage you to turn there. Mark 12, 28. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is the one, and there is no other besides him. And to love God with all your heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dare ask Jesus any more questions. Here ends the reading of God's holy and perfect word. May God have mercy on us. May he open our minds. May he strengthen us as we seek to be educated today by him. Well, I told you that we were going to talk about the doctrine of vocation. So I, I kind of basically defined those two words, doctrine, teaching, vocation. That is what we do. But I want to talk a little bit more about vocation with you. Each of us has a vocation. Everyone has a vocation. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, the fourth petition in that prayer is, Give us this day our daily bread. Now, I don't know about you, but I love bread. 
sourdough toast, bagels, and cream cheese, German rye bread, and of course, a hot dog just isn't a hot dog without that white flour hot dog bun, and I like the ones with the cut down the top. That way you can put in your relish, your mustard, and of course, your Miracle Whip, and it won't fall out. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, only in the United States do we ask God to bless a Big Mac and a large fry to the nourishment of our bodies. Now, I, I mean, I know God is sovereign and all, but that just kind of seems wrong sometimes. But indeed, God does give us our daily bread. And he does it by means of the farmer who planted and harvested the grain, by providing the soil, by sending the rain, through the baker who made the flour into bread, the truck driver who delivered the bread to the market, which was built with iron from the earth and wood from the forest, designed by the architects, built by carpenters, electricians, plumbers, and HVAC techs, the factory worker, the warehouse folks, the wholesale distributors, the folks who stock the shelves, the checkout clerk, and that doesn't even mention the bankers, the investors, the advertisers, the lawyers, the agricultural scientists, the mechanical engineers, and every other player in the economic system that brought us that bagel. Not to mention the folks who provided the cream cheese, like our brother James, the head of our communications and production, said, they're the real heroes. Well, in our house, like I'm sure happens in your home, we always pause before we eat and we give thanks for the food that we're about to receive. God is caring for us through the daily bread he gives us. God is preserving us with his kindness. Just like the psalmist says, he provides food for those who fear him, Psalm 115.5. And also, God provides food for those who do not fear him to all flesh, as the psalmist says in 136 verse 5. And he does this through the labors of everyone who is around us. And this is what our Protestant reformers call the doctrine of vocation. Or, if you want to define it, God has chosen to work through human beings who in their different capacities and according to their different talents serve each other. As one of the reformers said, God could have decided to populate the earth by creating each new person from the dust, just like he did Adam. But instead, he chose to create new life, you and me, through the vocation of husbands and wives, the vocation of fathers and mothers. He calls people into families in which, through the love and care of parents, he extends his love and care to the children. This is the doctrine of vocation. When we or, or a loved one gets sick, we, we cry out to God and we ask God for healing. And God can and sometimes does grant healing through a miracle. We all have heard the stories or may even know someone who has been miraculously healed. But normally, God grants healing through the vocations of physicians, of nurses, of pharmacists, of lab technicians, of hospital administrators. It is God who heals us through the mechanisms of our own bodies that he created, through the laws of nature that he designed, through the means of skills and talent and years of study and practice 
divinely equipping human beings to be the vehicle through which God will answer our prayers. This is the doctrine of vocation. When God blesses us, He almost always does it through other people. We may love to read God's Word. We we, we may love to spend time studying God's Word. But if you think about it, if it weren't for the vocation of teachers and educators, we would never be able to immerse ourselves into the beauty of this revelation. God protects us through the vocation of police officers, of firefighters, of paramedics. He defends us and seeks to establish justice through the vocation of lawyers and judges and soldiers and sailors and airmen and marines, coast guardsmen. He gives us beauty through the vocation of artists. He allows us to enjoy discovery of new places and familiar places through the vocation of auto workers, of road crews, even of airline employees. God keeps us healthy and clean, keeps our neighborhoods healthy and clean through the vocation of garbage collectors, of plumbers, and even some undocumented folks who work in housekeeping at hotels. He brings the gospel through the vocation of the pastor, gives vision and the declaration of the forgiveness of sins to his church. The fast food worker, the rocket scientist, the farmer, the administrative assistants, the accountant, the engineer, the oil rig worker, the computer specialists, the musicians, the sound crew, the greeters, the cafe workers, the groups and classes leaders, the grill masters, the volunteers are all people through whom God works, offering provision, blessing us even today. Not that we always see things that way, to be sure. Well, at least we don't see it from that point of view. For many in these vocations, if you were to talk to them, they may encounter others of us who fail to recognize that God called, prepared, and equipped them to be answers to our own prayers. Even if we didn't know we needed to be praying for that which we received from God to begin with, you have a vocation that God has given you, that God has called you to, and through which you will be God's answer of a prayer. You will be God's answer to serve, to bless someone else. That is a vocation, and that is what we celebrate today on Labor Day. The second point that I want to share with you is one that's probably not going to be as popular. Work is a blessing. Sweat and failure are the curse. I've often heard people think of the Garden of Eden as some sort of paradise, not uh, at all um, like maybe the Bible presents, but, but some folks think of heaven as a place where we might go someday to wander around, enjoying the beauty of it, picking fruit uh, from trees, enjoying the perfection of the presence of God. If you've ever watched or read the book by H.G. Wells' Time Machine, he makes fun of that perspective. You'll have to read the book or watch the movie to see. You may be surprised that the Garden of Eden, paradise, heaven, if you will, is described in the Bible. It begins in 
the book of Genesis with the Garden of Eden in chapter 2, verse 15. After all has been created, this is what the Lord says after he has rested. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden, are you ready? To work it and keep it. Now, <laughs> I might concede, excuse me, that there are things in this world that don't actually work. I mean, things like hotel thermostats, progress bars on computer programs, and those little buttons that are on the pedestrian crosswalks, you know, on the streetlight, they don't work. But pretty much everything else in our entire existence is designed for work. There's something about seeing a job that is well done, that gives us a sense of satisfaction. A, a satisfaction about life, ab about ourselves, about our purpose. That, that's why I always feel bad about postal workers and, and even mothers. It seems like your jobs are never, ever done. My father was an electrician. He mainly worked building control rooms and nuclear power plants. Whenever a plant would go online or just before it would go online, they'd always have something called Family Day where they'd invite the families of all the construction workers to come and, and see what had been built. I remember my dad with such pride. He would love to take my mother and I through uh, the intricacies of the control room that he had spent years working on showing us that the massive generators, the fuel rods that were controlled by what he had assembled with his own hands. As a matter of fact, one of the power plants he worked on was Hope Creek Thermal Nuclear Generating Station in New Jersey. It's the second largest in the nation, the largest on the East Coast. It took 10 years to build. The infrastructure that has been created is intended to provide for the safety of over 5 million souls that live, work, and play near that plant. And the interesting thing is, is their safety even today is because of the work that my father did, who died years ago. His labor lives on. Over 3 million homes are provided electricity every single day because of that plant. That plant has produced and currently employs 1,500 people, the largest in Salem County in New Jersey. It is scheduled to remain open until the year 2046. Stay with me. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, John writes, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, this text in Revelation is about the consummation of all things. Heaven, paradise, as the Bible calls it, isn't the end destiny for those of us who have believed. This is a great day that is being described in Revelation. It is the day of fulfillment, the consummation of all things, when this heaven and this earth will pass away, and a new heaven and a new earth will be created. If you look back at that Revelation text, notice too 
that in the first creation, the focus is a garden. But in the second creation, there's a city. The city of Jerusalem. Not, not Cleveland, not Salt Lake City, but Jerusalem. I mean, how cool would it be to live in Jerusalem today and know that your city is going to make it all the way to the other side? Well, th- this is really a new Jerusalem. And like gardens, cities need workers. Now, I'm pretty sure that we'll have work to do at the end of the days when we are raised from the dead, our bodies glorified, when we will spend eternity with God. I'm sure that there will be opportunities for us to be creative. There's got to be opportunities for us to discover satisfaction, fulfillment, with all the promises that we have grown to hope for about the other side, things like no sickness, no death, no night. I'm kind of looking forward about what I'll be asked to do, what I'll be called to do, what my vocation will be in that new heaven and that new earth. Well, if I look back on the vocations I've had in this heaven and this earth, I'm a little nervous. I'm not really sure that they'll need police officers in the new heaven and new earth, and I'm pretty sure they're not going to need preachers either. So I'm wondering, what will be the job for me? Maybe it's something I haven't even imagined yet. And maybe that's your experience. That will be your experience as well. No. Work isn't the curse. It's the blessing. What is the curse? Well, Genesis 3, verse 19 tells us what the curse is. God says to Adam after the fall, after he and his wife succumbed to the temptation of the serpent, by the sweat of your face shall you eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. You see, it's not work that's the curse. It's sweat. It's death. Inescapable death left to our own efforts. And that, my friends, leads us to our final and most glorious point on this Labor Day. Thanks be to God for the work of Christ. Ultimately, our justification for our salvation, our being saved, isn't a result of anything we have done. Christ labored knowing that our labor would be in vain to save us. He had to do the work for us. And now, He does His work through us. And yet, at the same time, it takes the length and breadth of Christ's life. His incarnation, His death, His resurrection, and His ascension, where He intercedes for us now, even this moment, constantly. In John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The first work of Christ was His incarnation, not just the mere appearance of flesh, but a voluntary and intentional act on His part. The One who existed for all eternity, the eternal Word, emptied Himself, as Paul says in Philippians 2.7, by taking the form of a servant when He became like one of us. Faithful for us. 
even to death, even death on a cross, leading us to his second work, his work that through faith justifies us or declares us not guilty for our rebellion. In the letter of 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and chapter 4, verse 10, it says that Jesus is the propitiation. He is the one who satisfies the divine judgment of our rebellion, a debt that we can't pay, but God the Son fulfills the demand and through His death gives us life. As Paul says in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And yet, death is not the end of the story. For in Christ's third work, His resurrection, He throws off the power and dominion of sin and death. Justified by His death, we have been, and now His resurrection proves that that work is accomplished. It is the assurance of our salvation. His resurrection is the assurance of God's love, proof of God's might and power, that death has finally and ultimately been defeated, and through faith we will live forever. After His resurrection, the Scriptures attest that there is yet another work He does. He bodily, in His glorified body, in His resurrected body, ascends into heaven and sits down at the right hand of God the Father. It's in the Bible. We read too in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Again, in 1 John 2, 1, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And He calls us, you and me, as He prays for us next to His Father, He calls us to be open to the work He will continue to do through us and His church. And that work is to love. Not for our justification, not for our salvation. That's done on the cross. But the fruit of that redemption is the work of love the work that is done through us how he welcomes the poor and the vulnerable into his kingdom through his church through baptism the lord's supper he forgives delivers from sin and conquers evil satan and death through our presence in this community he brings god's peace calls us to join our suffering with his sacrifice creates community and his ultimate work, to reign as Lord. And our ultimate work? Well, it brings us back to that tremendous scene given to us in the Gospel of Mark. When the scribe asks Jesus, what is the work, what is the labor to which we are all called? To love God and to love our neighbor. That is the work we are being invited to this Labor Day. I pray that your vocation
whatever it might be, husband, wife, mother, father, or a whole host of jobs that are done in our community and in this world, would be a path, a way, through which God does His greatest work, calling us to justification and allowing us to love Him and love neighbor. Amen.